Hey, this is Monster Manual Mash once again. I am Chris. And I am Wes. And tonight we talk about animated objects. I guess we don't have to talk about what the podcast is about anymore, right? By by now, I mean this you're on episode four. Yeah. I don't you might have started here. You're missing I it's it doesn't I I feel like this one has to be chronological though. Yeah. Right? I mean, follow along. With you listen your... to it however you want. <laughs> uh, I I just get like I I know less what this podcast is actually about. The more we do it, yeah, it's well, it's <laughs> I, I feel like it's 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 in the process and will always be in the process of becoming what it's actually about. Oh, right? Shit, that's profound. Yeah, animated objects, things that aren't alive that are moving around as if they were. <laughs> that's the tagline that's the motto here at animated objects um so there are probably a lot of different ways to approach animated objects uh we can see in the text here that they are explicitly made they are crafted by potent magics and that they do what you tell them and if you don't tell them anything anymore they just follow the last order they received Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they can say basic things like a, like a go no further. Yeah. And like a programmed sort of speech and really, really fancy ones from really, really fancy magic users can carry on a bit more of a conversation. But, um, it's, it's, I think it's, it's helpful to think of them as like they, they really only do what you tell them to do. Yeah. Yeah. They can get, it says something about the ones that come or live in the fairy world, the, is it still called the Feywild? The Feywild, yes, it is. They tend to adopt personalities, and they get all cutesy-wacky with you, probably. Yeah. They get all cutesy-wacky, and then they try to kill you. Right. It's yeah. The, the Feywild is a dangerous place. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, treat you like playthings. Um, the armor, in particular, so it gives you three examples, and the armor is the first one, and for some reason, the armor gets the added little bit about how they contain scripted messages often. So they can just communicate to you in scripted messages, often like warnings, or I don't know what else you would get armor to do. Um, well, it could be, you could you could have them give directions instead of signposts. You right. could have uh, animated suits of armor that, that give you directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be like... North is that way. Is really it sounds kind of mundane and silly, but there's really a uh, ton of possibilities you could use something like that for. It doesn't have to be like the whole. All of these monsters can be kind of explained by a wizard did it, and in this case, it is explicitly that a wizard did this. All of these, and they do what wizards say or did say, you, however long ago. But you can also, depending on how you use magic in your world. Dependent, like, is it used as a technology or is it used? Um, uh, is it used? Is it used as a technology by the world at large, or is it used as a technology maybe by certain individuals unknown to the greater world? Yeah, like that. Like that's a sort of thing with a, with a lot of magic. Like, how common is magic in your world? Is it really just the people that can use magic end up being like powerful rulers or like wandering adventurers, or like does every 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 schmuck <laughs> kicking around, you know, know a little couple couple spells or something like that. Like, are is it a world where 
um, it's relatively common for there to be animated objects running all over the place. Or is that like an especially weird thing, almost as weird as a thing it would be if we saw an animated object? Yeah, like are you going to have something like a... Are you going to have a merchant with a suit of armor hanging out outside the place going like, you look pretty cold. Come on inside for a hot shirt. <laughs> I've, I've, never, I've never been to a store in my life. Come inside. For a hot shirt, it'll uh, put a put a, a skip in your put a skip in your step. Yeah, our shoes. <laughs> Hear it. Yeah, like give them give them messages. <clears throat> give them messages that they say. They don't have to be like warnings, like the regarding treasure. Depending on the adventure or whatever whatever setting they're in, you can have them say anything. Also, if you want to have kind of sentient or semi-sentient objects and still have the suit of armor and have it say only what it's programmed with, I think you could have a really interesting, maybe only interesting on the part of the DM if you really want to like stretch your, your acting chops to give yourself a list of maybe like 10 phrases and you can only communicate using those 10 phrases. Mm, yeah. Like all of the phrases are like advertising based if you're a piece of armor from <laughs> like a merchant or maybe they were like something the wizard recorded to tell his roommates to like clean up better or like that he was going out for the night or something. So you could only communicate in these like these weird things that you'd have to pick the right, like ones that were like kind of related to what you actually meant. And then kind of, you have to like use also body language to kind of get the rest across <laughs> kind of like that, uh, that episode, I don't know how much Star Trek Next Generation you have. I've, I've seen a medium amount. A me- <laughs> yeah, I've seen like I've seen, roughly. I've seen a socially acceptable amount. Roughly in a any third crowd. of the episodes okay. in no particular order. There's one, uh, a pretty famous one among those who care, where Picard is trapped on a planet with an alien and they're trying to communicate with each other and they, they can both, like the, the translator picks up and translates what he's saying but the the context of the words is more important than the words themselves. Mm-hmm. So the the alien is only speaking in uh, uh, analogy. Okay, drawing from its culture, but it's trying to say things that relate to their current uh, state. But they can't communicate because. Uh, Picard doesn't know what uh, the alien keeps like touching him and pointing at the two of them and, and saying uh, like Darmac and Jalad at Tanagra and Picard's like, Hurr. and they can't How fig- curious. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> that, was a, <laughs> that was a medium Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Was a one- I gotta, I gotta, I gotta workshop it. <laughs> I guess it needs, it needs some, it's some, Spit, spit well, you, you could you could if you included a suit of armor that can only speak uh, a few things and have it try to communicate with with other people. I like imagining like a like a billboard, you know, <laughs> like a like a, a, a sandwich sign spinner, you know, outside of a place. And they're mm-hmm. spinning signs, like the equivalent of that, but a suit of armor and one of those like using its advertorial slogans. Um, uh, you know, as, 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 as sort of like battle cries as it's fighting. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it hews somebody in half. It's like half off today or something. <laughs> yeah. 
Just a terrible uh, action one-liner yeah. generator. Yeah. Yeah, you can. there's all kinds of stuff you could do. Um, the, the next one down is the, the flying sword, which is, to me, like the worst possible use of the animated objects idea because it's the most... It's the most basic. A sword is already dangerous. Yeah. Like, it's if it was in someone's hand, it would be just as dangerous. It's like the only the only thing you get out of it is uh like a like you get to surprise players by being like, aha, the sword that was just lying there actually gets up and starts hitting you, which I guess could be kind of funny. But it doesn't do anything after that. It just it just keeps hitting you, which is like still pretty funny if you can sell it well. But if you can animate literally any object, the sword is, I think, one of the more boring ones. More interesting, I think. Um, and I'm going to give Dungeon Masters ideas that are going to make their players hate them with this one, mm-hmm. I think. But um, if if used against the players. But more interesting, even though it's a <laughs> minor Against the change, players themselves, yeah. not the <laughs> characters. Yeah, yeah, the characters. Yeah, the characters will be cursing the universe, mm. you know, for 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 the turn of fate. Maybe I, I'm building this up too much, but you could you could have a, an animated dagger, right? Except the dagger would wait for its moment. So you'd pick it up. It's like, oh, sweet, a dagger. And you just have a dagger like kicking around that you use sometimes um and it's fine and then when you least expect it flies in the air and stabs you because it was an assassin dagger that was programmed to yeah act like a normal dagger until it uh finds its right moment then it takes you out yeah that's you know? that's you a... just, then 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 your players or anybody in this world um would be distrustful of anything that they found from that point on for the, at least if it's from the same place yeah i think that's that's taking the idea just like just it it doesn't take much just one step further than the flying sword and it's already a lot better because it's uh more more player expectation is thwarted as opposed to just a sword getting up and attacking you that you didn't think was going to do that If if they carry around a dagger with them for a while and forget about it and the whole time you've got this like note in front of you saying like don't forget the fucking dagger with a smiley face and like an LOL. That's good. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the third one is a rug of smothering, which is the best one, I yeah, think. Definitely. Cause that's, um, cause the other ones are, 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 are things that are already associated with like adventure and heroism. The, yeah. Swords the and armor, the armor know? and the sword are already things that you would find on like a hobgoblin or something. And they yeah. just like took the things that are in a battle and like separated them and made them fight you, which is not like, it's like the suit of the animated suit of armor is pretty classic. You would probably have to, you would, you'd have to put them in a fantasy setting somewhere. Yeah. But it's, not the most imaginative use and you shouldn't stop there the rug of smothering is the next level uh where it's like aladdin's rug except all it wants is to murder you (laughs) and that the fact that it's not it's not just a a rug or animated armor or it's not an animated rug it's not a flying rug it's a rug of smothering smothering is what it does (laughs) it's all and smothering is what it's gonna do It, it implies I was designed to smother. It's all I know. Yeah, it it implies that it 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 only seeks to murder and suffocate, where the other ones have at least some leeway. The rug is has murderous intent a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, 
<laughs> yeah, the armor. The armor could just be giving directions, and the sword could just uh, could the sword could be around. a show. It could just yeah. be showing off. The yeah. rug is here to smother you. <laughs> and whoever put it there was like, you know what? I just i I want whoever comes into my den, <laughs> yeah, to to die slowly, and I want it to be yeah. the hands of my furnishings. <laughs> Because they're going to come and bunk up my stuff, and so my stuff is going to yeah, <laughs> it's going to bunk them up. I think it has to do with uh, look if you, if the I think the the designers imagine someone looking at the table of contents and seeing the word rug next to like dragon, demon, rug. Yeah, like it doesn't it doesn't sound like it should be in a monster manual, whereas rug of smothering you're like oh i get it it is just all it wants to do is kill you yeah so then it's it sits next to the others on the table of contents uh but it makes for a hilarious extrapolation um also funny is that the rug is a cr2 enemy which is the highest of all of the <laughs> it's more it's more dangerous than the sword than it an had, animated sword yeah. a, a, a tool designed solely to injure and kill human beings the smothering rug is actually more dangerous twice as dangerous oh yeah more uh, the armor is is cr1 and the sword is only a cr uh, one quarter and when a rug is smothering you and you try to hack the rug off of the your your friend that it's smothering. Yeah, you you can't help but hurt your friend also. Yeah, it's it's really a great comedy item, <laughs> I think, because then you just have some uh, Three Stooges action, or you have to come up with clever ways of prying it off someone. Yeah, um, all the while that while they're they're suffocating, it's great. It's great. I love the animated objects. The only like the thing is. Uh, these are all through. These three are pretty good classics. The rug of smothering, especially too, because it it's a subversion of like Aladdin's rug. Yeah, it even mentions you could have it look like a, a flying. Oh, rug. does he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It could be disguised as a carpet of flying or another beneficial magic <laughs> yeah. item. Yeah. Okay. These are all <laughs> like, like uh, just fuck you traps. Yeah. To place, but they're great. It's great. Like if you have. As if the players know, if they're walking around a place full of magic and they know that they're in for some traps, it's great. Yeah, because you could have like a horrible dungeon where everything's dingy and terrible and dungeon-like and then have the one mysterious room that's really nice. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, this is maybe where the ruler of this dungeon hangs out. Um, but like, no, it's just that's another trap. That's yeah. to lure you into a sense of yeah. false comfort. You almost can't even be mad if you have a character die. If your character dies being smothered by a rug while everyone else is like wailing on you trying to <laughs> trying to stop it, uh, that's that's a good game, I think. It's and the rug of smothering, so it has just as many hit points as the animated armor. They both have thirty three <laughs> hit points. So like that's a very well made rug. That rug is at least as structurally integral. I think you should put you should make the rug. <laughs> it's that's true. The rug should be. Or could be used as a like a, a low level boss enemy, like it's yeah, like, like thirty three hit like level one characters. <laughs> I think even your most tricked out barbarian is gonna have like I don't know sixteen hit points or something, something like that. Yeah, 
So the rug could have twice as many hit points as like the toughest man. <laughs> in and the it's going to try to smother the toughest man. Yeah, right? exactly. Forcing forcing you to take down one of your best. Yeah, and just you to could stop this murder. Like how how great would it be to have a whole adventure set up where there are all these hints and clues that all these other people have been smothered to death and suffocated, <laughs> and you think it's some sort of rogue burglar uh, assassin strangler, some sort of like Jack the Ripper. But instead, it's mm. actually just this like murderous rug that just loves murder so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it could be. Um, I don't, you could have a whole backstory for the rug. How did it get animated? Because you could have reasons other than a wizard did it. Oh, it yeah. says there that they are created to put magic to follow commands of his creators. But like also, I I like the idea of there being some kind of freak wild magic explosion that brings a bunch of objects to life. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, or, uh, you know, something like that. It's the fallout of some sort of disaster. Yeah. You can make them sort of like zombie items that are just trying to, they're trying, uh, it might be confusing, but I just kind of mean like objects that are trying to, uh, perform their function after the people that would use them are gone. So they animate themselves through some sort of magical fallout and they are trying to, like live their lives normally yeah in this like phantom this like virtual reality that oh, they've created yeah so you'd, you'd you'd be wandering through the woods and you'd find just like a dining room set up yeah like, what <laughs> is this here yeah and then they all attack you but that's just a bunch of like dining room furnishings trying to trying to try to live their lives and be a dining room set yeah up, i would don't even have a home anymore yeah i would even uh you could depending on how much time you wanted to spend on this thing you could do like instead of having all of the items be uh, animated and murderous, you could have only the weapons of war murderous and have mm-hmm. the dining set being like, you got to eat here and just, <laughs> just like, like, like trying to force whoever comes nearby to like use them for their intended purpose. Yeah. And to not let them go. They don't want to let like kill you, but they just want to like make you use them because that's what they need. Yeah. You could also have the objects forget what they were. <laughs> you yeah. Know? You could have a wandering herd of dressers <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> <And> they, <laughs> you know? they don't, yeah, they've never felt the sweet yeah. release of containing yeah. all of your shirts. And th- that would be the hint that you're you're getting to the wizard's castle in that there's there's a bunch of like furniture just wandering around <laughs> as if it was animals. This is like... <laughs> leading up to the place. Yeah, yeah. Instead of wolves, you have these like chairs that like rush at you and yeah. like, try to get you to sit there's a mad wizard who's 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 and the whole town is a ghost town except it's full of animated objects and the, this one maniac who's animated all the objects and killed all the people yeah, yeah. that's great you should you should yeah take a classic trope take a classic adventure trope of some sort like wolves approaching the source of evil and encountering wolves in the wilderness but replace all of the the encounters with just like mundane objects trying yeah. to fulfill their their purpose. You know, it doesn't even have to be dangerous necessarily. It just has to be like really like uh, it'll be it'll be strange. Yeah, and they'll they'll ha- they'll figure out ways of like is this dangerous? Is this not? Can we move on without worrying? 
can we weaponize this somehow? Like they will, like a whole sessions will be, will be, will be gleefully lost to yeah. thinking about this kind of thing. And, and though somehow the, the dining room set still just wants to be a dining room set. Um, every, there's something in, like inherent about rugs that makes them all murderous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just a, like a side effect of the spell. Is like every time we cast a spell, it doesn't matter what happens. Rugs just, it's, they need to kill it's you. It's just essential to rugs. We, we, we thought we, created them for a purpose but they know what their purpose is and it's murder yeah and then you could go back to the story you'd find out that the original story of the first rug ever made was as an implement of of death it was like an assassin tool and all subsequent rugs are echoes of yeah the they're, first just, rug. <laughs> they're just false imitations yeah that we didn't know about and some say one day the original rug will come back and smother oh, the world shit <laughs> the rug the Fenris rug. Well, because they want they smother because they they want everything they they want to cover stuff, right? right. So they that you are all something of that all of there. Earth, all of the world is its floor, yeah, and it must cover you. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe they don't have a sense of uh, direction. They have to cover everything they can, and they hate three dimensional objects yeah. <laughs> with passion because it's it's just wrong to them. Right? It's, it just doesn't add up. <laughs> it can't have depth yeah i like the idea of the rug uh murdering out of hate for... <laughs> <laughs> yeah you finally get the ability to speak to one of these murder rugs it's like i hate i yeah, hate it hate it hates anything above grade yeah <laughs> that's good stuff yeah and like these are just the three examples yeah. but yeah within the um published works of Dungeon Dragons 5th edition you are given the tools to animate any object yeah. with a spell animate objects mm-hmm. which kind of standardizes what they can do yeah so i i thought when i was reading uh the spell rules and the monster manual entry mm-hmm. uh they kind of missed an opportunity and uh they they missed an opportunity to have a page that was uh, full of tools, maybe not necessarily not just the entries, but like here are some guidelines, uh, stat-wise, and also just uh, idea springboards on how to turn any object into an animated object. Mm-hmm. I know it's kind of it's hard to do that when there are just as many there are as many objects as you can think of, really. It'd be almost impossible to tell someone how to turn them all uh, easily into uh, stat blocks and have their their special moves and everything. But I th- I feel like there should have been something about how like a, a prompt that says because the the books are great for this and all the other ones where they offer um, optional rules and alternative ideas on how to do things. The monster manual could have also done that with with animated object guidelines and. You can you could have even used and reprinted some of the spell rules because the spell rules give you um, depending on the size of the object it gives you things like the AC and the hit points and the damage averages and the two hits because um, what the spell does really is just give you it gives you a bunch of uh, like pieces on a board to attack with. It gives you like extra allies on the board to to fight with, more or less. It, mm-hmm. The rules of the spell don't explicitly tell you that you can use them to do wacky stuff, depending on what the object is. Yeah, like if I animate rugs, are they rugs of smothering? Yeah, who knows? 
Um, uh, they better be. If I'm your dungeon master, <laughs> you better believe that they they can smother. They live to smother. Yeah. But um, so yeah, that's like this. It's I don't I don't even know how you would use the existing stats to like help you do it. Otherwise, other than using the spell as a general guideline for things like hit points and to hit, but you need to think about all of the different kinds of objects that can happen. Like you, if you want to have like a wizard's house, especially like a transmuter type of character, if you really want to go full tilt in the animated objects thing, if you want to have, cause there are so many great uh, examples in, in media and folklore of just like rooms full of animated objects. Um, maybe you're not going to fight them all, but like it'd be great to come at, like, across a island of lost toys or even like you, you were saying earlier like uh unused furniture that forgot what they are just like cast cast off things just that can grazing in a field <laughs> trying <laughs> trying to like follow a herd of uh cattle eating and eat grass and being ignored by them but like what can they do like what is a dresser able to do that might be funny and how does it how would you mm. translate it into like a, a stat block or move that it could do yeah like, a, well, a dresser could lock you inside of it. There you go. Right? Yeah. Um, can... This occurs to me now, a way to make the, the flying sword more interesting. Uh-huh. Um, you could just also make it like a, an exceptionally powerful magic sword that you would you would want to use. But if you look at it, um, they you <laughs> like they get knocked unconscious. You got to knock them unconscious. So I guess <laughs> you, 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 you wouldn't want to make it like traditionally defeatable by just... Uh, bring his hit points down because then you broke it right but uh uh you could have like a ludicrously powerful magic sword that you need to constantly keep within some kind of anti-magic field to use or else it is going to fly around to be directly hostile to you <laughs> so you'd have to oh you know what you'd have to do you'd have yeah. to knock it out yeah and then like while it's sleeping put it in its scabbard which is somewhere else yeah and then it, it just like it just you just listen and it goes like yeah putting it in its scabbard is like rubbing the belly of a yeah. crocodile like a baby crocodile <laughs> yeah. they just yeah. they go to sleep when you yeah. do that yeah you could have uh like a beauty and the beast situation where you're trying to break into the beast's castle yeah and it's, you just like interrupt uh uh what's that song be our guest be our guest yeah. yeah you just interrupt them like doing that and then they all fucking try to cut you open <laughs> scald you with burning tea <laughs> the melody didn't resolve yeah <laughs> yeah a scald you with tea. that's what's missing is the animated tea set the gritty reboot yeah. <laughs> um let's we'll probably come up with a lot more uh examples of like a lot of more riffs on what you can do how about i i unload some some research i did yeah let's get some context some context and uh, some background on maybe why animated objects uh, tickle us so much and keep turning up in uh, movies and, and stories. There are many, many stories in uh, in myth, in myth, especially Greek myth, that I found. There is the story of uh, Pygmalion in Ovid's narrative, or Pygmalion, I think, was a sculptor who carved a woman out of ivory. Uh, and fell in love with the sculpture. Was was so in love with it, but he was such a, a gentleman about it that he and he didn't want to be weird about it. So he 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 would whisper to it, 
But what he would whisper was that he wanted a bride that was as lovely uh, as this ivory girl. He wasn't like, I want to fuck this statue. He was like, like, you know what? I want something that looks this good, but it can be a real person. (laughs) But Aphrodite heard the wish and... Next I'll day. do you one better. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you <laughs> yeah. know what? You uh, you kept it cool, so you get to actually uh, marry your statue because now it's a real person. So an animated person that comes to life. Um, and this, to me, reminds me a lot of uh, Blade Runner, especially 2049, I think. Had a lot to do with the, the, the sex worker uh, replicants. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I guess both did, but you actually kind of like see it on a ground level instead of just Pris in the first one um, running around doing somersaults. Um, not that I'm complaining, but you can see that uh, the idea of like a, a manufactured person becoming real is an obsession and that goes back uh, way, way back. Way, way back, yeah. There is also... Um, I'm terrible at this pronunciation. I will uh, correct it later. Hephaestus. 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 Yeah. yeah. I think it's Hephaestus. Greek god of the forge, or one of them, anyways. He made automatons, and they were little tripods that would walk back and forth between Mount Olympus and like carrying out whatever little chores he gave them. I'm not sure. I couldn't find the stories of like what the tripods actually do, but <laughs> they just kind of uh, march up and down Mount Olympus for some reason. Showing off how good they are at forging. So even uh, even in ancient Greece, they had the idea of like robots carrying out work. Because I think people, uh, as soon as we made civilization, we were already sick of work. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. It was like, man, I could not do all this stuff and still not Yeah, die. it'd be great you if know? we didn't have to do all this work. Wouldn't it be great yeah. if the objects just did the work for us? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. then led to slavery. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was like, what if we redefine objects? Yeah. That got dark real fast <laughs> with yeah. a lot of historical people. Um, but yeah, so I think, yeah, like what, what if, what if the machines did the work for us? And I guess I, I imagine, are, are we going to bring up robots at some point? Oh yeah. I got, I got yeah, one right here nice. actually sticking with uh Greek myth is, uh, Talos. Talos was an automaton made out of brass and he was made to protect the mother of the King of Crete. He had one vein which went from his neck to his ankle and he was and it was bound shut by one bronze nail in the ankle. This sounds familiar. So the Argo was was uh, sailing by with the Jason and the Argonauts, and they wanted to get onto the island and get the Golden Fleece. But uh, Talos, as the guardian of the island um, and the mother of the King of Crete, so sort of like a symbolic mascot of, of Crete, in general, yeah, he kept the Argo at bay because he was throwing huge rocks at it, which is a trope of, of all the giants, right? So he was he was huge, and he was just throwing rocks like, "Get out of here, you Argonauts!" Yeah, giants love throwing rocks. Yeah, <laughs> you lousy sailors, get out of here! <laughs> uh, and Talos was slain when a sorceress either drove him mad with drugs or deceived him into believing that she would make him immortal by removing the nail. I don't know why it's an it's an or situation. <laughs> I, I guess it depends. I guess there are different versions of the story. Yeah, I love the idea that you can get a brass automaton hopped up on goofballs. Yeah, 
Um, I like to think that the aura was just always part of the story. Like, even old tellings of it. Like, either this happened or the other thing happened. It's not... <laughs> yeah. There's one of them, all right? Yeah, and, like, yeah. the real story like is the that it's version. an aura. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, in in Argonautica, yeah. Medea hypnotized him from the Argo, which drove him mad, and he dislodged the nail himself. And the ichor ran out of him like molten lead, which killed him from exsang- exsanguination. So he bled out his his automaton stuff. And uh, you can see that the Greeks had a, a little bit of an obsession with the heel being like a weak point yeah. for some reason. So either either uh, it was like a duplication of the story, like a, a mutation of the story of Achilles that just got adopted in Crete or the other way around, or there's some cultural uh, importance to the, the heel in Greece. But in either case... Uh, a fake man who did all this, who who died. And I also read somewhere else that in every story involving Talos, he gets killed. <laughs> which, so Talos can't get a break. Yeah, yeah. which is kind of like, I don't know what that means. Does that mean that people just couldn't couldn't suffer a, a, a fake person to live? We couldn't, like, could they handle a story where a mechanical person got, like just went to bed and like we all have to wake up the next day with this mechanical person living in our world maybe we couldn't handle it i don't know yeah especially not a giant one yeah especially not if he's bigger than us yeah and he can fight off jason yeah and argonauts um there are other ways to approach the animated object that don't necessarily involve um imbuing them with magic there is a there is an idea called animism i don't know if you are familiar with animism Mm -hmm. i kind of knew about it but i dug into it a lot more uh reading for this thing and i think it's pretty neat because it it is one of those things that is sort of a global human idea it turns up in a lot of human cultures and it is sort of like it's it's kind of sticky territory because i what i want to say is that it's like sort of the first kind of religion for many cultures and then it it sort of changes over time and becomes the more uh modern day religions or like that's that's a terrible way of explaining it it's just like many aboriginal cultures have ideas related to animism or totemism and those ideas are very similar to other Aboriginal groups um, around the world. And some anthropologists suggest because of that, that like it's just a religion of, of emerging cultures, of like kind of first uh, cultures. Um, there's a small paragraph that I'll read from Wikipedia that may, might explain it a lot better than I just did. Animism is used in the anthropology of religion as a term for the belief system of many indigenous peoples especially in contrast to the relatively more recent development of organized religions. Although each culture has its own different mythologies and rituals, animism is said to describe the most common foundational thread of indigenous people's spiritual or supernatural perspectives. The animistic perspective is so widely held and inherent to most indigenous peoples that they often do not even have a word in their languages that corresponds to animism. The term is an anthropological construct. So it's just a thing that they live with and 
this it reminds me of uh, the book One River by Wade Davis, mm-hmm. which I read a few years ago, which is great um, concerning life in the Amazon rainforest for the most part. Uh, it describes the point of view of people living, indigenous groups living in the Amazon rainforest as uh, living every day in a spiritual world, mm-hmm. whereas like modern religions tend to separate uh heaven and earth there's a duality yeah animistic religions do not where it's like you literally are both human and spirit at the same time yeah there's no difference and like the rock is also is a spirit as much as it is a physical thing um and that kind like that's to me something that i would love to try to get people to imagine playing a game together because I like the idea of like a game, especially like a role playing game being a sort of like ritual you conduct to take everyone away to like a different place mentally yeah, and a shared imagination world. And I think it's uh, uh, a wonderful thought. <laughs> it can be uh, invigorating and interesting. Um, and I like that it's found all over the world because it's like it's a it's a human it's a it's a basic human thing to think these things so much so that there's uh there's also an idea in human development in a uh, uh, mental development let me find it here gene piaget's theory of cognitive development which deals with what baby humans know and when they start grasping certain concepts that we take for granted it includes a theory that children, um, all children across the world, up to the ages of four or five, they believe that almost everything is alive and has a purpose, almost unanimously. Oh. And then when they're like five to seven, they think only objects that move have a purpose. And then seven to nine years, only objects that move spontaneously are thought to be alive. And then when they're nine to 12, they begin to understand that only plants and animals are alive and that this is like a normal step. But... Prior to that, we th- we we exist in this animistic universe, right? Yeah, of course. So I think that um, animated objects, including them in like a fantasy game, is kind of invokes this childlike idea of of things moving when you yeah. don't expect them to, taking like a, a, a sort of like a, an idea that is is kind of like fundamental to like the human understanding of the world and um, reimagining it. In a very literal sense, yeah, and exploring that, yeah, yeah, that's which great. Is, which is kind of why um, we, we've been talking. Like we have these three entries here, but we've been talking like you're going to encounter whole rooms full of them, or whole, whole cities full of like myth, unused furniture and stuff. Which yeah. I think is the is the more more fun way of doing it because then you have to you have a whole world of of this to deal with, and it is almost like a weird Christmas special. <laughs> Welcome to the city of chess. <laughs> Do you seek yeah. an audience with the chair king? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's like how do you not just like crack up and <laughs> kind of like feel uh feel that like the childish wonder but yeah. also that like giddiness. Yeah. Or if you have a um a place that is particularly magical, you could just have objects spontaneously come alive getting close to it because the latent magic that's in everything is activated oh in certain areas right that yeah that's interesting so it only it becomes alive when you go near it yeah because so, it's like it's got like it's it's charged with potential energy or something yeah and that in a lot of 
in a lot of fantasy settings, that's kind of the why magic works is if you're a magic user that the magic is there, you just figure out a way to focus those energies and kind of control them. And the, the, the fireball was always kind of somewhere there in the universe, but you can manifest it if you know the right hand gestures and words and have a pocket full of bat guano <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, if a place has like sort of, you know, some inherent magical qualities that can kind of literally like, like uh, bring forth those weird subtleties um uh then then like uh, the, so something from your pocket could crawl out you know yeah. if you, you leave something d- s- sitting down it'll like get up and run away and uh yeah kind of like you know and, and then the place itself could sort of have an intelligence outside of the objects you know you could have like a um the way an individual ant can't really like solve problems but an ant colony can right so the yeah like like tools in a mechanic shop can only really they only really know that what they're supposed to do when they're in the mechanic shop mm-hmm. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but if the entire them. if the entire um like artisans district becomes animated by something, then it can produce all kinds of stuff and all it knows how to do is produce the stuff, but right. they'll, they'll start working on their own. And then you the, this it's great because then you have all the you could make all these kind of quests to like Please bring me back to the the seamstress room so I can be myself. And like you have to risk your life to like transport all these wayward uh, objects back to their their homes. Yeah, that'd be great. And then then it makes you come into this decision is like, do I care about this do thing? I, do I care? Because it, it yeah, can't give like, me anything, and it's not even really a person, but it's acting like one. So like, where do where do I stand? Yeah, I love. I I like to do this a lot in the games I run. Where there's, it's like you are given low reward hooks that are like, you just have to in character get uh, a reward out of it, just like from the deed done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <clears throat> i remember playing a barbarian character that had taken a random npc small child under my wing without like this wasn't part of the dungeon master's plan at all i think i was kind of derailing him from advancing the story but uh i i think i i spent a good chunk of the time getting this 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 kid to, to like teaching him how to fight with a sword and and you know let's go get your first sword and i got him a sword and taught him some moves mm-hmm. and everything to 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 pick this kid up you know <laughs> after and everybody ended up getting killed by vampires anyways it's very tragic so the dungeon master used my con- the character's connection to that kid to fuel my revenge but i liked going on that whole adventure of like okay kid we're getting a we're getting a sword and so going off these weird asides that don't actually add yeah. Like anything. Tangents are the best. Obvious? Yeah. In case you didn't know, we love tangents. We do. Uh, I had something. What is it? What am I talking about? True names. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is also an idea you can find in animism in the way that everything is a soul or is a soul. It is. It can be also extended to... Um, less substantial things like words or images which is why you have the the stereotype of like a british colonizer taking a picture of a tribesman and the tribesman freaking out about having his soul his soul uh taken um the idea is because of this this notion that are that even objects can have souls and words can have souls and uh names can have spirits as well yeah and if you know something's true name, you know it's 
you have like control of its spiritual essence. Yeah. And uh, this comes up in D&D with the devils, I think. There's a little sidebar that says, if you want, devils can have true names that can be quest items to go find. And if you find it, you can have control over them. You can summon them with 100% success or something like that. But you could also, if you wanted to have like an animated uh, object that was running amok, you, but you had to go find its like true name somewhere written down in like a wizard's book or like maybe even like the, the, the serial number of it has like enough spiritual energy to, uh, like control the object if you just know the, the right combination of numbers and letters. Um, so I think that's a really good, uh, idea to play with and turn into a quest. Yeah. There's a, there's a flying coat rack that's, <laughs> you know terrorizing people and like, stop there <laughs> rosebud <laughs> you know oh, i guess it'd be a sleigh <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i figured it would be but uh that's a more surprising ending <laughs> to that story i was thinking it was going to be like uh like a ticket at a like there was a there was a party and everyone got their coats right, checked yeah and someone has the ticket with the name of the the murderous uh, jacket on the rack <laughs> and you need to know that a lot of these ideas hinge on the item being otherwise invincible <laughs> yeah, I, yeah it's true I, I i also couldn't resist the gag of like it it's true day being rosebud yeah oh yeah, that's, yeah. Like, no one's gonna yeah. guess that i think you'd you'd get away with it um there's something here too i mean you could always give it extra hit points Right. Oh yeah, no one's, no one's gonna that's, know. That's fine. It's it's made of really good wood. This dresser, or just or just like straight up say you can't harm it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like uh, I'm not above that. I'm not above saying you simply just can't hit it or do enough damage to yeah. destroy it. Your sword just bounces off. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's like it's it's a world of magic. I think there should be a few things that you are forced, especially like low level, and you uh, maybe if you're training new. Not training, it sounds too rigid, but like you're you're running a game for new people and you want to encourage the idea that not everything can be defeated by a sword hit. An easy way yeah. to do that is just like, here's a problem that like looks really easy to solve if you just hit it with a hammer, but because of the involvement of uh, arbitrary magic, you can't and you have to figure out the, the thing. You have to figure out some more clever way of doing it. That is one thing that really... Um... That frustrates me a lot sometimes um, is is when um, people kind of pick and choose where they suspend their disbelief and just believe what the the storyteller is saying. Yeah, like it's, you know, it's, it's a slippery slope. It's for like you, sure. you, you you live in a world like you're, you're you're playing in a world where there are dragons and 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 life after death and a myriad of gods and magic powers and the 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 fact that this trap was able to go off without you noticing is is that's unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that that. You just missed it. You, but yeah, yeah, exactly. I know because players get sometimes so upset that they don't hit something when they think they yeah. should have hit it or like they should have noticed something. But I, it's like, yeah. just just go with it. I had I had played a game with somebody who had not allowed us to fly on giant uh, eagles, um, despite the fact that the stats said we could. Uh-huh. Um, his reasoning being, why do birds fly? It's because they're light. So if they carry something, they can't fly. <laughs> oh and, boy. Yeah, and so like. It was frustrating. On one hand, uh, I was trying to be a good player and like, okay, uh, DM says it. That's the yeah. way it works in this universe, I guess. On the other hand, 
that's not how things for they they can generate a lot of lift because their wings have gigantic muscles. You know, yeah. Like they're, they're, the the Quetzalcoatlus was weighed as much it was very heavy, and they carry things. Yeah, if they can carry prey in their their talons, I'm sure they yeah. can. There are eagles some. that 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 uh, snatched goats off they, the side they, of the cliff. They bulldoze them <laughs> off the cliff them. and dash them on the. And they don't just push them garage. off. They take them and they carry them for yeah. a bit and then drop them when they know they're definitely going to fall. <laughs> they the birds carry stuff all the time. You saw a giant Every bird day. would be able to carry a person. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're <laughs> You've listening to this. You've got a lot to work out. <laughs> I, I, I'm targeting you specifically. Give us a call. That's, yeah, it's it's fine. I'll, we'll I'll, I, I will apologize to you in name. If you, if you <laughs> um, However, I hope you've changed your ways. And are <laughs> allowing... <laughs> I found a uh, uh, some other uh, uses or, or things that come out of animism that you could use for, for game material. Um, so like I was kind of fumbling over before animism is a little bit fraught of a term as a fraught term sometimes, um, because it can, it can be used to disparage, um, like non Abrahamic or like non majority religions. Uh, but it kind of fell back into fashion with some people who really took to it, including a lot of, including self-described nature worshipers, but also a lot of indigenous groups kind of like actually took it on as a good um, description of how they feel and this includes um, the Ojibwe people according to a Irving Hallowell and please correct me if I'm wrong I'm just reading what I read but from what I read uh, for the Ojibwe encountered by Hallowell personhood did not require human likeness but rather humans were perceived as being like other persons who for instance included rock persons and bear persons for the Ojibwe, these people were each willful beings who gained meaning and power through their interactions with others. Through respectfully interacting with other persons, they themselves learned to act as a person. So I think what this means is if like the way to live properly is the way to like learn to be a person is to like learn how to treat other persons appropriately. Mm, so yeah. like how to treat a rock with the respect that a rock deserves. And that can mean like using the rock, but using the rock well and like not uh, disrespecting the rock and how you use it, how that actually goes down. I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's the sort of thing where like you, you, you can know it when you're doing it. Maybe. Yeah. I, yeah. And, I would imagine that you could just, are, are you, are you like, do you feel reasonably certain that, that, that confident that you're 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 being respectful towards this object in your environment. Yeah. And uh, uh, if 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 you're not, hopefully you learn why. And if you are, then good good. Your your instincts were right. Yeah. You and know? and it's a good like, you could even have like a moral kind of component to your quest where like you can berate uh, characters for not giving their due respect by having rugs of smothering uh, assail them if they it's, don't like treat. Because they don't take their boots off before coming. Yeah, inside. yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Like if they if they don't treat the objects uh, with the the respect they deserve, that um, then they 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 have to they feel the consequences somehow, and then they have to learn that yeah. what they what they actually have to do if they want all the treasure in like the the wizard who's long dead, but trained all of his animated objects to uphold their own like self respect. Does he believe the manners <laughs> exactly? And he, uh, and and, and uh, he, he yeah. respected the objects in his life, and you should too. Yeah. So then the uh, the whole game is like you actually have to walk around as if 
everything's cool and normal and you can't act like a marauding group of uh treasure hunters yeah like you might want to the books could come to life in a library if you're if you're if you're being disruptive yeah you know and just pummel you yeah with copies of moby dick <laughs> uh this is also this has a lot to do with a um a, sh- a short film i once saw that was a uh, i think it was an oscar nominee many years ago for best animated short yeah. it was called possessions it was a cell-shaded um anime short about a wandering uh journeyman kind of playing with the trope of a wandering samurai but he wasn't a warrior but he kind of like acted like one but he actually what he carried was instead of a sword he carried with him like mending equipment and he was walking along in the forest and he took shelter from a storm in this old mansion that was falling apart in the woods and he gets trapped inside by a bunch of spirits and there's a name for the spirits, but I think I, I lost uh, where I wrote it down. But there's a name for the kind of uh, kami. So the kami are the, um, I think is is the word for demon in Japanese, in, in Shinto, which is a very animistic religion. Demon. And I, I think it, it, it sort of blurs the lines between like demon and ghost. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, that's that's kind of what it, like, it's yeah. a, because it's an animistic thing, there's no separation. There's no like good and evil world it's all in the same place so all of the spirits are sometimes good sometimes evil yeah uh, or neither much like people oh uh so he got he got trapped in this mansion and all of these old wrecked objects these broken things were menacing him and assaulting him and instead of fighting back what he 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 fought back for a while but it wasn't working he was just kind of like going deeper into the problem and then when he kind of he cooled himself off and he started mending them and giving them respect and then they were like laid to rest yeah. they were like ghosts that were that needed uh that had their unfinished business that needed to be resolved and he got out of the house by giving them the resolution that they wanted which was like respecting them for years of service that they rendered their original owners because when i was reading this um this particular brand of of kami um, objects come to life after a hundred years. It's, oh. it's just it's just a thing that happens. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everything comes yeah. to life after a hundred years. Um, mm. So the the idea would be that they they had been used a lot. They weren't just like made and then thrown out. They were like they had a lifetime of use, and then they were just then they were cast aside, yeah. and that's what they were angry about. Well, that kind of um, brings brings us to my favorite depiction of animated objects, mm-hmm. um, and I'm serious. The Brave Little Toaster. I had the Brave Little Toaster written that's, down. That's here. great. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I I think that's I I think there's a lot that you can work with. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. I almost just wanted to read the wiki, the whole Wikipedia uh, synopsis because it's it's a batshit insane movie it's, yeah it's fucking nuts. I don't, when's the last time you saw it um recently I, yeah <laughs> i rewatched it i I, rem- I watched it a lot when i was a kid it was me too one of my go-to's i would go yeah, back that's why we get along again in real life yeah, yeah i think so that's I, I, that's probably why i have so much shit and i can't throw anything away is because <laughs> i i feel like it might love me you know that's, and I, yeah. I just can't i can't betray something that like might you know see, might have my back yeah see isn't that a very like I remember thinking my my toys and stuff were real, mm-hmm. or you, even even though I knew they weren't, I still felt they were. I I, I uh, when I was a kid, I uh, used to um, 
say hello in a very, like I would say kind things to my air conditioner every now and then because <laughs> I was so traumatized by the, if you haven't seen this film, I, I please do that. I'm going to spoil this one part, but do you remember, Chris, do you remember the air conditioner? Oh my God. Going on this like yes. paranoid speech. It's like, it's a conspiracy. Yeah. Well, you can move around, and he kept, but he, I can't. <laughs> he kept blowing himself out because yeah, he, he was so. He destroys himself through, he, 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 he self-destructs through rage alone um, because uh, he's, he's so upset that he can't, move around like the rest of them can and that nobody ever loved him you know and it's it's just so heartbreaking and upsetting and strange yeah you know and so i feel like that's uh forget this i i would forget this whole thing about like they can only fulfill the like i maybe give them personalities but you have to certain conditions have to be met to actually converse with them but i i i I like that these objects uh under a certain perspective or certain certain uh lens are, are are people you know yeah yeah, there, there. You can basically just pick uh, whatever movie you want and use that setup as a whole story for animated objects because they're they're all different flavors and they're all amazing. Like Brave Little Toaster, this the quest of like, first of all, uh, it's a great thing to just uh, come across. You just see like a bunch of appliances <laughs> or like the medieval uh, tools or whatever on a quest just to like go perp- find perpendicular to yours and just cross your path and you stop and look at each other for a second. Yeah. Like, and you have to decide if you're going to help them or not. And like, what's yeah. going to happen here. Um, or I also thought, and I've been trying to think about how to do this more than I care to admit, um, how to run a game where you play as animated objects where each of the players is, has to like pick, like I'm the hammer, <laughs> like, I'm the toothbrush. And you have to like, I don't know what you're, your your powers would be pretty yeah. limited but very specific and this, you have to figure out ways of like using them to get across a pretty like mundane but still challenging world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that I would think make, that'd be a great game things that would be no problem for like regular humanoid characters would be a, a gigantic problem yeah. for the objects but yeah or if, turn if, ha- yeah have a spell that turns them into <laughs> into animate objects Oh make yeah! The, make the players like force them to play animated objects. Uh, but yeah, it's a, so, like a, a for a portion of the adventure. Yeah, <laughs> there's an arc within the story. Exactly. Where everyone gets has to be. An how, object. Hel- yeah. how amazing would that be? Oh man, the objects could um, reflect some aspects of their character that they've developed through sure. playing. You know, sure. Why not? Yeah. There's also uh, Monster House. You ever seen oh, yeah. Monster House? Mm-hmm. The one that, if you're a mm-hmm. fan of Dan Harmon, he he talks about Monster House sometime. Yeah, uh, I've never seen it, but I read the synopsis today, and it's it also is kind of an insane story. <laughs> it won a bunch uh, of nominations and I think some awards, and it comes down to something about a house that a woman died inside of tragically, and now the house eats people. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's a very large animated object, but you could have a house that eats people. That sounds great. There's yeah. already like Baba Baba y- Yasaga, spoiler alert from Ravenloft yeah. has a has a moving house, which is not really a spoiler alert if you know anything about Baba Yaga. Yeah. Um It doesn't look that I, I, yeah, it's 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 still a moving moving hut. Yeah. yeah. It's the same principle. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if it has legs yeah. or not, either way it's it's uh, unexpected. Um Aladdin's rug which is not a rug of smothering, but it's a rug that kind of acts like a dog. Yeah. Which is a weird thing. It kind of makes me think that it was a dog that got turned into a rug. I don't know if that's anywhere in the movies, 
but that's always what I thought. Maybe. Yeah. I feel like there was one episode of the animated series that came after the movie. Right. That might have gone into the backstory of the rug a little bit, but I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you could have objects yeah. that like used to be something that kind of like that kind of act like the thing they used to be or the person. So not so so you have coming across items on a quest of their own. Yeah. And you have being the items on a quest of their own. Now you could also come across items that used to be people going on a quest on their own, yeah. trying to like get out of their uh, item bodies. This is why we could have um, a, a herd of grazing dressers. <laughs> so sorry, say that again. This is what this is how we could have a, a coming across a herd of um, grazing. You know, dressers and tables and things. Oh yeah, and, and yeah. I feel, I, I, I'm really stuck on this, this no, image, but it's great. It's, it's a bunch of cows. <laughs> it's actually really just an extension of uh, the Beauty and the Beast because all of his servants turn into items. Yeah. So like all of his like livestock also turn into items inexplicably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. the the like Frenchman is at the candle and like the old maid is like the teapot. They kind of make sense. Yeah, there's a couple uh, thematically, but like couple turning, cast iron a cow turning into in the mud. Turn it, yeah, cows turning into like cupboards for some reason doesn't really <laughs> make sense, but it's great. It's still pretty good. Um, there's there's Toy Story, which is kind of a fucked up movie when you think about it. Not yeah. really the the movie itself is is pretty lighthearted and people really like it, but the idea of uh, like a toy going on a quest because it's jealous of how its owner likes another toy more is kind of like a weird existential crisis yeah that you could you could play with also i i feel like and i'm sure this has been ex- explored uh, in, in in depth and of, of of high quality in other places but like i i think there are some really dark and severe implications of the toy story universe yeah just from like what else is secretly alive when nobody is looking yeah that's you know, like how <laughs> How long has this been going on? Like, are clearly all of the toys are alive? Like, is it all across the world? Has it always been that way? What about before humans? Yeah. Like, what then? You know, there's a a really good Philip K. Dick short story oh, whose yeah. name I can't remember. Um, but I I don't know if it's actually good. But like Philip K. Dick stories to me are always kind of like they're not like great reads. But I really like remembering the idea of the story afterwards. Yeah. Totally. And in this case, um, it was written from the perspective of like a tin soldier because this is like the 1950s. And that yeah. was the thing that happened. A tin soldier that like a, a man was selling on the street and sold to uh, a kid and his dad. And the, the, the guy who sold it looked pretty stressed out. And later, because uh, it's all from the perspective of the tin soldier, it's kind of implied... And then explicitly laid out that the tin soldiers are like coursing this man to sell them and distribute them among children all over the area. Yeah. And they are maintaining a network of communication by like toy helicopter, I think, that is like flying between all the houses, talking to all the soldiers. Yeah. And they are planning an armed, like a violent armed uprising. And he, the the toy soldier, uh, like whispers to the kid is like hey kid come over here yeah yeah i'm talking what don't you fucking say anything to anyone uh leave your keys when when you leave the house or i'm gonna tell on you and stuff like that like starts like messing with the kid and getting him to do stuff yeah and then uh 
and then like the the time for the the uprising comes but like he doesn't get the signal and then a helicopter comes and talks to him and is like oh god it's like it's going so poorly all the tin soldiers are like dying out there you might be the only one it might be up to you and he's like oh god oh shit i gotta go do it right now and then he goes and then he's confronted by uh the kids like older toys which were like old dumpy teddy bears and stuff like that that had been like in the background but like hadn't been like yeah they haven't moved yet right and they are like then they like suddenly like step in front of him with their arms crossed being like so <laughs> you think you can move in our territory and uh and they like murder the the toy the tin soldiers so like all of all of these tin soldiers co- came out of the factory with the intent to kill and oh, yeah. enslave humanity and all of the existing toys who defend humanity were just lying in wait, waiting for all of the toys to dis- to like distribute themselves and then murder them one by one. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the story. It's great. It's a great oh, story. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. There's also uh. There's a. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna spoil it completely here. Yeah. Um, there's a Twilight Zone episode. Oh, good. Where um. Uh. It's 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 very uh. Jean-Paul Sartre, no exit-esque, in that there's like this strange cylindrical room, and then a ballerina, and a clown, and a soldier, and a cowboy. I think that's it. They wake up there, and they're like, where are we? Like, I don't remember anything. I just know that this is what I am, and I know how to be a clown, and I know how to dance, and oh, (laughs) I sure know how to be a cowpoke, you know, and they're just like trying to figure out how to get out of this like strange deep cylinder that they're in, and uh and it's it's just, it's this very like existential personal drama between all of them. Of course, they start infighting, and they finally figure out a way to get out. And then it's like Christmas, and and then there's a there's a toy donation bin, and the little boy was like, "Oh, look, this little cowboy toy uh, fell out." And he puts it back in, right? So it was the toys were in the donation bin, and they they, they came to life inside, inside, somehow. yeah, somehow. And uh, but they didn't know that they were anything else. Yeah. So you could have oh you could you could have a paradigm shift in your game where you could have characters um, start their adventure and and do their first quest and then realize that they are um, <laughs> they don't know they, that they're they are figurines in an incredibly elaborate setup. Um, and then uh, at some point there's a man. there's a, the chance for them to get brought to life and then when they meet real people they're like where are you from I was like well we were all toys at some point and that's how you could have a ragtag bunch of misfits suddenly be in an adventure. Out of nowhere, and mm-hmm. then they could all have something in common. Is that they were all um, uh, brought to life at some point, and they were they were just tiny animate toy people mm-hmm. before that. Um, feel free to steal that. Uh, yeah, do yeah. it. Um, I, I, I think that disclaimer that, that's totally unnecessary. You could you can use absolutely anything <laughs> yeah, we're talking about. Implied. That's kind of the point. We also we also can't stop you. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> have you ever seen Cars? Um, I watched half of one of them when I was, uh, uh, babysitting a kid one time. Right. Yeah. What did you think? Um, I had a lot of questions about the world at large that they exist in. Me too. Um, and I was amazed that an animated movie for children about objects that go fast could have a plot that moved so slow <laughs> maybe i just i was in the dull part of the story arc right but it just seemed like they were at that uh um uh like mechanic shop forever hmm. so yeah yeah i've seen it yeah <laughs> well, you them. have more opinions on it than i thought um i've never seen it but my nephews are obsessed with it and i've mm-hmm. seen bits and pieces um whenever i'm over there they're watching it 
and I also have questions about it. It's uh, it's like there's a rich tradition, obviously, of objects being the stars of a movie, mm-hmm. but cars, um, they, it's it's weird. It's like it's like it's like robot gladiators almost, like yeah. things that we make like to challenge human ability, but the objects themselves take over, and now we're just figuring out which object is the best yeah. at being an object. And also, I don't think there are any human beings in there the aren't movie, there right? are no human beings the cars are the people right now i think that it's a, a post-apocalyptic world like post-neutron bomb only the humans died and all this technology is fine and it's self-driving cars just doing their thing right which is a great <laughs> yeah. uh setting for uh, a game as well you could have a, a city where only like the carriages are like oh, yeah. and like run the show and uh <laughs> act like they're people and then yeah. they're they are just as distressed at your presence as you are at their presence they would view people and like passengers in general but like humans that get inside of them as like strange parasites yes <laughs> just hitch a ride yes and they were like quite done with that phase of their yeah. lives um have you ever seen small soldiers oh yeah that's a classic <laughs> that has one of my favorite lines in cinema history oh, it's, that? It's, it's um it's when the one of the families is just sitting watching tv and the dad and the family and this is like, they're just sitting there quietly and out of nowhere he says, I think World War II is my favorite war. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And it just, it's, it's, it's great. That's a great deconstruction of like the classic Midwestern American dad sort of everything. Like casual yeah. fandom around that war explains, stuff. And, that yeah. explains uh, everything. <laughs> and, History and, like, Channel, uh, like pretty much any... All, all the Hitler stuff on Netflix. Yeah. Like, I think more people so than would readily admit probably do have a favorite. War. Absolutely. And it's probably World War II for the most part. That kind of was the coolest one. <laughs> I can't, I can't say it's not also my favorite, <laughs> but yeah, small soldiers. That's it. That, that was a good, it was good directed one. by the same guy that directed um, both gremlins movies. Yeah. Which I think are some of the best, um, like, monster as commentary on yeah. on something several things and you can see some of that sensibility in small soldiers because it's like an arms manufacturer has a computer chip that goes into a bunch of their toys that makes them like murderous and unfeeling <laughs> and the the prey toys know that they're toys but are also sentient but they know that the conflict is made up and but the, the, but the gorgonites the gorgonites <laughs> yeah. yeah but the the commandos or whatever they are um seek to kill the gorgonites and the boy that um keeps them safe so murderous toys can't go wrong um it's also one of the most disturbing scenes in uh akira the the movie yeah. as well as the manga uh it also happens the 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 teddy bear and the the truck and uh i think the the bunny rabbit that get all get all psychedelic oh, and yeah. evil was it was it david cross in small soldiers oh really i think he was the 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 guy who designed the gorgonites oh my god and you're was, right you're yeah. totally right <laughs> that's absolutely right yeah well that's about all of the animated object stuff i can think about yeah so it doesn't just have to be armor flying swords and rugs of smothering if it's nothing but rugs of smothering, though, I'm not gonna hold. Yeah, yeah it, it should be. It should be everything or only murderous rugs. <laughs> There's just a lot of rugs that are trying to smother you in, in this world. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had uh, maybe one one closing thought, or I, I have two closing thoughts. It's uh, uh, fuck you. It's our podcast. We can do that. Yeah. Um, we could have wrapped it up tightly and would have been fine, but I have I have to say these things. Uh, an animistic state can also be achieved by um, taking mushrooms. Sometimes a lot of people report feeling that like everything has a voice or a presence, and that the presence is like visceral and actually feels like there's another person there. Um, and when you're playing a game, I think it, uh, it, you're always like sitting next to a hallucination anyways. Um, the game is a shared hallucination. So you may as well go all the way. Yeah. Use, use animism. Totally. And, uh, I have a, a quote here about a physicist and this is an argument, um, which kind of supports the idea of animism through physics, which, um, I think might also, I don't know if it explains our obsession with animate objects, but it, it kind of tells you like, we're not necessarily wrong to think these things anyways. Uh, so there's a, a physicist, Nick Herbert. He argued for quantum animism in which mind permeates the world at every level. And I'm going to read some stuff that I don't understand, but maybe you'll understand it. The quantum consciousness assumption, which amounts to a kind of quantum animism, likewise asserts that consciousness is an integral part of the physical world, not an emergent property of special biological or computational systems. Since everything in the world is on some level a a quantum system, this assumption requires that everything be conscious on that level. If the world is truly quantum animated, then there is an immense amount of invisible inner experience going on all around us that is presently inaccessible to humans because our own inner lives are imprisoned inside a small quantum system isolated deep in the meat of an animal brain Mm. so you depending on what kind of person you are you either find that um, strangely comforting and that you're never alone or deeply terrifying (laughs) and that absolutely everything that you interact with at some level uh there's 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 an eye at the core of it yeah that's why it's a perfect monster yeah that's great it also um it relates to uh to, to 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 pantheism um, yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Which Everything is the good God, God of the universe are two two words for the same thing, mm-hmm. right? So that's eh, it doesn't really. We can cut that part out. <laughs> no, deal with it. All right. Well, having put a <laughs> tangent right at the end of your closing remarks, <laughs> I I'm going to steal your thunder. Oh, another tangent. False <laughs> ending number two. See that? No, this is the this is it. Oh, okay. Now this that's it for the episode, right? Yeah. Okay. Goodbye. See ya. Mm-hmm.